You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are here with... James Monroe Aguahart is here with us. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, um, but uh, uh, there's, a, there, there's a couple of uh, credits that, um, I don't know, that we, we think are just mildly important. Uh, so just a few, you know. We, we know some Hamilton. We know some Aladdin. We know Kimmy Schmidt. We know uh, Memphis. We, but we're really excited today to talk about um, uh, James is hosting a quirky new four-part series for HGTV, a holiday yes. series called Biggest Little Christmas Showdown. That's so true. we're going to talk about all of it. Please, let's go, let's go for it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So an actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. So this was very cool. We, when we were talking to your people about this, what is this, what is this show? What is this miniaturist? I mean, we're going to get to Broadway. We're a podcast called guys who like musicals. We obviously love musicals. So we're going to talk about musicals, but what is this thing you're doing for HGTV? This is very cool. Uh, this is a great little show. It's called Biggest Little Christmas Showdown. It's on HGTV on Friday nights at nine o'clock. And basically it is a competition show with these amazing artists who are called miniaturists. So if you think you know dollhouses, no, you don't know anything about dollhouses. These are the kind of things that if you are a Marvel fan and someone, sh- and Ant-Man shrunk you down, you could live in these houses. They have electricity, <laughs> they have water, they have like, I mean, the detail is cr- uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. So basically each episode, we have three teams, three teams of two who who compete against the other three teams of two. And at the end, whoever wins that particular episode, they get to the finale. And then those three teams battle it out for a prize worth $50,000. And wow. it's great. And it's all holiday wow. themed. Um, this Friday will be the third episode. So if you've seen it, if, if there's only four episodes, but trust me, watch it. Email, text, let people know you want to see more of it. You never know. I may get another season. I mean, come on, it's COVID. Actors need work. So <laughs> <That's> um, <right. laughs> it's really, really fun. And uh, we have holiday themes. So right, what we've had already is a uh, Maka, you know, that Bing Crosby oh, yeah. song that nobody yeah. knows how to sing it because it's just messed up. Uh, that Hawaiian. <laughs> we also had uh, Dickens. We had Charles Dickens. And then we have mm-hmm. two, one more, two more themes, actually, two more Christmas themes coming up that I want to, I'll tell you about a little later. But it's going to yeah. be really, really fun. And I swear the detail on these things on these houses is incredible. It's uh, their interior designers. Some of them are theater people who make sets. Some of them are just like uh, hobbyists, but they're all professional and are wonderful judges. We have June Klingscales, who is like the miniaturist to the stars. So if any stars like have a miniaturist in the house, they probably went to her. We have Dave Asling for all you Star Wars fans out there who love The Mandalorian. He does all the sets for that. And for your, you HGTV Whoa. fans, if you watch HGTV, you know who Genevieve Gorder is. Genevieve Gorder is a legend oh, yeah. as far as like interior design and also mm-hmm. star design. So those are the people are part of our show and it's called biggest little christmas showdown on fridays at nine o'clock on hgtv and uh tony award-winning james Agarhart is the host i had to put that in you know you know yeah that. now the, that is how you do a pitch joke that's Take a, notes. I, yeah everybody write it down that's how that's how <laughs> that you do a pitch it. i that's amazing um, I, uh, in Manhattan, in my, my apartment in Chelsea, uh, I had this neighbor and he was a big fan of theater yeah. and he owns a company on, uh, they have a store on fifth Avenue called tiny dollhouse. So I know all about this world. There's, you know, they have a bunch of followers and they have a gr- very successful Etsy store. Were you always a fan of this kind of thing or how did you come about working on this project? What's funny is, um, it came out of nowhere. actually, uh, I literally was driving in the street and, um, uh, Joe, our, our agent, uh, Ben called and he yeah. said, I love it. He's, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, okay, look, 
bear with me. That was how he started. <laughs> <laughs> and he began to give me the spiel of what this is. And I said, that's really cool because I'm, I'm that guy who after a show, my wife and I, I would come home, we would watch HDTV. You know, we'd just turn it on and watch people build yep. houses and go, wow, wouldn't it be cool to live in a billion dollar house? That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah, cool to watch you build it. Or, right, you know, someone same, like yeah. destroy an apartment. You're like, well, I wish I had the money. Somebody could destroy my apartment and rebuild it. But I ain't got yep. that kind of money. So exactly. we watched those shows. So when they, he sent me the pitch, or when he you know, pitched it to me, I was like, this sounds like a great idea. And also... This is one of those moments in um, entertainment where being nice was a good thing. I try my best to be as nice as possible, but I got the job because I was doing this show called Maniac on Netflix. And um, one of my one of the guys who stands in who stood in for Jonah Hill, uh, he and I became friends. And then he um, he told his wife, who was the producer of the show, you should get a personality like James Igleheart. And so they just decided to call me up and we, she and I had a conversation and next thing you know, boom, here we are. And we filmed this during, um, during the, during the shutdown, during the pandemic, we filmed this, uh, in August. Wow. So it was one of those crazy moments of like, you know, doing all the August, September, doing all this and it being a fast turnaround. I mean, we were six feet apart. I mean, if you watch the show, it looks like there are shots that people are really close and actually know everybody was wearing a mask, everybody was wearing goggles. It was just one of those crazy awesome moments where everybody was doing what they're supposed to be doing. It was great. Yeah, and I, I love that. And one of the things that we always we always ask people, you know, uh, advice and secrets to success and these sorts of things. And what sounds like, you know, wh- one of the things that we love to preach is just like, don't be an asshole, you know. Right, exactly. And so when it, you know, and it sounds like in that capacity that you know, being nice to somebody on set, you never know how that's going to end up. You know, um, exactly. that's so that's 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 fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so let's get yeah, into it. Let's huh? get into okay. let's get into. I mean, listen, this we have to. We are a couple couple of super theater nerds we are obsessed with you know we we are obsessed with all of this stuff having you here is kind of crazy we don't really True. feel worthy <laughs> in the way that like <laughs> you know you're sitting here on our zoom and we're just so great thank you for being here again but Please, you know, it's my pleasure man only the second only the second tony winner to be on the show exactly so cool it's a very exciting day for us we'd love to know how you got started i mean the bay area is such a it's a hotbed for great theater i mean yeah. i i wonder you know what was that like starting starting your career there it was great i mean it was one of those moments where like you know i would i, I was good enough to sing where people go how come you're out of new york and i was like because it snows and i don't like snow <laughs> so i'm in california where it doesn't snow so it was great so to be able to work in you know the the now defunct theater like american musical theater which is a huge theater at the time and then also theater works which is still there doing great work is where memphis started uh at a reading there in palo alto memphis started and then went on to become you know 2010 tony award-winning musical um it was fun and also there was things like act and you know uh sacramento musical circus which i never got to work at sacramento you 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 did me wrong i was i was there i was around but it's fine <laughs> uh, but to work in those theaters uh i kind of was able to work up my chops you know to um basically I graduated from college. I went on tour uh, with the national tour of Showboat, then came back home to California and started pounding the pavement and basically, you know, honed my craft at home in the Bay Area. So and every time we would do a show, they would always bring out New York actors to play uh, the principals. And so I was always the understudy yeah. behind some guy who was like, I was in Les Mis. And you find out he was like second <laughs> soul carrier from the left. But, he, you know, in the Bay Area, we're like, oh, my God, you're from New York. You must be a star. And so they just like gave them everything. And I'm looking at them like, I saw the playbill. You you, you were in that show, but you weren't in that show. But it doesn't matter. So, and I, <laughs> But I did always make a promise to myself. I made a promise to myself that if I ever made it to Broadway and I came back home, I would say, listen. 
is there a guy at home that can do this part? If there is, pick that guy. Don't bring me out there just because I'm from New York. And then I would do the shows at home. I would do the shows at home. And they were like, so how are you liking California? And I'm like, I live here. I live down the street. I just (laughs) just come over the bridge. I pay to come over the bridge every day to come here. But they're like, oh, you're so good. I'm like, what are you saying? Bay Area people aren't good? That's a whole different conversation. I love it. What was fun was being able to um, see the New York people. And the New York people tell me, hey, you're good enough to make it. In New York. And then things transpired where I was able to actually come out here with a show called Spelling Bee, which was great. Got it. So did you start with Memphis in in the Bay Area? Did that? Yes, actually. um, Memphis had a, they had a dual, they had a um, dual production uh, with North Shore and they had a cast out there. And so they brought that cast except for one guy because they only had a budget to bring out four actors. So they were like, well, we have a guy that we can work. And of course they were like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But you know, our people are from New York. So, I mean, we'll, we'll look at your guy. We'll look at your guy, but we're probably going to have to bring somebody. Else. You're probably going to get a bigger budget to bring our guy in. And so we had our, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. our audition and no, you know, this, this, I, I can, it's like, I can say it now because it's years from that, but I crushed the audition, like killed him. And yeah. they were like, oh <laughs> yeah, my yeah. God. So then we had, so I'm in the show. And then we're working on my solo, which be, eventually becomes big love on, you know, Broadway. So I start dancing and splitting and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, this is the story I was told. The cast looked at each other and they were like, well, I guess James is a new guy in the cast now. <laughs> like, like, like they decided, they're like, oh, we, well, I guess he replaced Homeboy, you know. So it was one of those things. Wow. <laughs> like, I didn't know this until like later on. They, they, they had this conversation, like the five of them were like, yep, uh, yep, I guess he's a part of us now. Because, you know, I was, I was having a good time. And it was, but yeah. in being in Memphis, I met a guy named Derek Baskin who became my best friend. And mm-hmm. Derek Baskin yeah. was the principal. He's the lead. He was one of the leads in Spelling Bee. He's plays Mitch Mahoney. And when they were trying to find a way to bring uh, Spelling Bee to San Francisco, they couldn't find any Mitch Mahoney's. And he said, hey, call my friend James. And being in that show in San Francisco and in Boston, and then they took our cast to New York. They took the, L- the New York cast to LA and we became... We replaced that mm. cast. And that's my first Broadway show was 25th Annual Putnam Spelling Bee. But wow. it was because of Memphis that I met Derek to be in yeah. Spelling Bee. It's really, really strange. Life. And, and, and another example of being good to people that you work with yes. and then that rewarding you. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I just, uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, that's amazing. So then, you know, fast forward many years and we're skipping over lots of things, but we've got a lot to cover because of your illustrious <laughs> success. <laughs> <laughs> You're in... Uh, Hamilton and and also in Freestyle of Supreme. Yes. How was that? <laughs> that was uh it was great question, of, you know, Dan. You know those, you know those <laughs> moments where you go, you where, where okay, especially during especially during COVID, where someone calls you three months in advance and you go, sure, I'm free to do that. That sounds perfect. And then you get there, you go, Oh my god, we're doing this. So that's kind of yeah. how it was. So like I've been doing Freestyle of Supreme for 15 years. And never in a million years I think it was ever going to go to Broadway. I mean, not that I didn't think we could. I just didn't right. think Broadway would embrace that, what we were doing. Mm. Um, but we had a great off-Broadway run, and uh, they said, James, we want you to be a part of it. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, but you're doing Hamilton. I was like, cool. So on my Sunday nights and Monday nights, uh, I would do Freestyle of Supreme. I took a leave of absence from Freestyle. And I was doing, I I opened, I did all of the previews and the opening. And then from there, I would do Hamilton during the week. And then on Sunday nights, I would do um, a freestyle. And every other Monday, I would do freestyle and do two shows. But what you guys aren't saying, which you probably don't know, is I was really stupid. So let me explain. I was doing Hamilton 
Freestyle of Supreme and Hercules all at the same time. Yikes. So I would go to Hercules rehearsal <laughs> oh and God. do Hercules, then go to uh, Hamilton at night and then, like talk to the guys at Freestyle for some rehearsals and stuff while they were downtown. Then there was one day during Hamilton where my stage manager from Freestyle calls and goes, hey, one of our guys is out. Can you come over? So I did a two o'clock show of Hamilton. Nope. Went downtown, did the six o'clock show of freestyle, didn't do the last game, got back on a train or no, I got back in a cab and f- drove back to Hamilton. So I did three shows in one day and then I took leave of absence, did Hercules while we were rehearsing for freestyle and then from free Hercules went right into freestyle. So yes, there was a moment where I was absolutely out of my mind. But it was That's, all fun though. It was all, it was so much wow. fun that I, but I swear I, my wife was like, you're taking two weeks off and we're going somewhere because I haven't seen you and you're uh, about to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is like, but like, were you, were you just like the happy that it feels like the most happy and most exhausted you could ever be? Yes. Yes, I yeah. was. Cause I was, I'm yeah. singing. I'm what's funny is there's also three different styles. I'm singing gravelly as Phil over here. I'm rapping mm-hmm. like Lafayette and then like rapping like myself where we play a plethora of different characters in freestyle, whatever the audience comes up with, we just do. So right. it was, but it was so much fun because it was, you were just, you were just free. You could, you didn't have time to think you were like, I yeah. have to be here, here, hit here and mm-hmm. go. And trust oh, it. Awesome. My God. The, the, cra- yeah. the crazy thing were the, were the uh, fans who their one fan, there was like three of them who were literally at Hercules, Hamilton and freestyle. And I was like, How'd you do that? Because I don't know how I did it. How did you do that? So like, we saw you in oh. all three. I'm like, you need it. Wow. Okay. You have no money. <laughs> oh my God. That's <laughs> a, that's amazing. I I um I loved the the um the freestyle of Supreme uh, documentary. Getting a little behind the scenes of 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 this remarkable um, story and this 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 crew that you guys put together. Um, one of the th- you they ask you the question. You know, when you come on the documentary and they start to talk to you, they they mentioned that you had to audition. But I was so interested what the audition was like. What did you have to do when they called you? To you know, what is what's um, it, what's the, that like? The, the, the audition was basically kind of like the show. It's like, and, it. and it wasn't a, it was the throw you in. So like you're, you're, we were in a tiny, tiny room. So, you know, New York, it's like you have a rehearsal room or, a, or a, a, like, like you go to get a room, not even something cool is like Ripley Greer. Like it's like, we were, we were, we were in a tiny, tiny room with like no windows and like there were speakers and drums in there. And so like all oh of us gosh. are in this room, all these brothers just tight in this place and we have three three chairs because everybody is sitting on the wall or so whatever and they go yeah. okay uh cool we're gonna do um we're gonna do foundations of freestyle what's that well we just take out words and you just start rapping so shockwave starts beatboxing i sit on a chair and they go your first word is so-and-so and i just start going and then they say okay we're gonna play true <laughs> where you have to tell a true story or make up a make up a hook and then go so i would sit down and i would think of something to sing and i would sing something and by the end i it, but I was in my element. This is the kind of stuff I would do all the time. What people don't know is that my wife was so happy when I joined Freestyle of Supreme so I could stop making up songs around her in the grocery <laughs> store about absolutely nothing. Because I'm that dude. I am that dude that walks down the soup aisle and I'm like, oh, progressive, got the chicken in. And she's like, if you don't stop, I'll kill you. Because I'm pretty good at hooks. And she's like, and now that stupid hook is stuck in my head. I'm just singing progressive. It's not even a real song. So once yeah. I joined the group, I had like found, you know, you find your family. You like find, <laughs> you right. find your, your place. So right. I got in there and um, 
the same day I got cast was the same day Utkarsh Umbakar got cast. And so we became the replacements for Chris Jackson and Lynn when they went off to do In the Heights. And then right. once they In the Heights stopped, we just became one giant crew. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. so cool. I can't, I, I want to know, I was trying to look this up, the, like the people who have done two Broadway shows at the exact same time, I think that's like, it's like Barbara you, Streisand it, and James. Yeah, it's like you and Elaine well, there's Stritch. Another, there's you know, another guy. Like, I can't think. I can't think of his name. There's another guy. Another, I think um, there's a one chick from the Sex and the City. She did it, and then uh, Cynthia Nixon. Um, yeah, Cynthia Nixon. Yeah. I can't think of the guy's name, but the I, but the man, the the male who did it, he was in the first act of one play and the second act of the other. So he was able yeah. to do wow. the first act and then just walk down two blocks or so and then go to the other show. <laughs> And it worked out, but they did have to, equity had to have a special contract for me to be able to do, you know, two shows. Oh, did stuff. they? Oh yeah. Wow. you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, really. so. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, it's the coolest thing ever. And then I get, this is a really stupid question, but, um, with your, your, you know, you had to audition for freestyle and then you've, you've known Lynn and you've known, you know, Tommy obviously for a very long time. Did you have to audition for Hamilton or did they, did oh, they just God, call? Yes. Oh, did, yeah. did, come on, really? Oh, no, 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 no. What you don't understand is this. Like, okay. Tony Winner, James no, no, Eichelhardt. No, no, here's the thing. Here's the, business is business, friends is friends. So we are friends. I got you. I got but you, you don't want to mess up nobody's money. You're like, yeah, man, you're good, mm. but you don't, don't come in here messing up. So basically they called I me see. and they said, hey, we want you to audition. Now think about this. I walked into the audition and um, I walk in the door and who do I see but Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady is sitting there and I'm like, oh, God damn. Wayne Brady. Uh, so oh Wayne Brady's there, and then Wayne goes in first, and Wayne does all his, like, burr stuff and, like, kills it, and yeah. then they have him sing something else, and then I go in, and I I want to do burr, too, so I did my burr stuff, and I did my, you know, my Jefferson Lafayette stuff, and then I leave, and what's funny is, before the audition, Tommy comes out, and he's playing with me like we always do, what's up, bro, you know, do the pom-pom thing, Lynn comes in, gives me a hug, hey, Jay, so good to see you, then we get in there, and they like, silence. It's like it's like a regular audition. But also, Gosh. I walked in like, you know, I have to walk in like, you know, Tony Warwick and James Moore Eichelhart. Yeah, I oh, know yeah. when we're outside, we're Lynn and Tommy and we're the boys, we're freestyle. But when we're in that room, mm. they are producers and directors and I'm the act. I'm the, I'm the talent. Let's do our job. And if it works out, great. If you hire me, you don't. If you do. If you don't, you don't. What I've learned in this business is, especially with us as performers, we always do this thing. You ever had a conversation with a person, they go, that should have been my gig, or that was my gig, and somebody got it. Actually, no, it wasn't your gig. If it was your gig, you'd have got it. Doors open, doors close. If that door yeah. would have closed, another door would have opened. So that door opened for me. I, I got to do the show, and I've had a wonderful time uh, doing it. But it's, it's, it was, it's just another learning experience of, you know, you have to audition for everything. I mean, until you get to the point, don't get me wrong. I'm, totally. I am looking forward to the moment where I'm at Samuel L. Jackson and people just send me scripts and I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm going to just do all this and I'm going to scream all my characters just because it's fun. <laughs> but <laughs> I would love to do that, right? Just do a whole musical. You just do nothing but scream, like play it as Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> it's like you just walk around doing lame man. It's like, hey, two, four, six, all one. You just, just walk off stage. Just, <laughs> be fun. But, oh my God. Yeah, yeah I, had to, a, I had to audition just like everybody else. Wow. I think that's a really good lesson, though, because, is, yeah. you know, J Joe and I are still in the earlier parts of our career and there are people behind us, people in front of us. But as you get going in this career, it's like every time you go into a room, you probably have worked with somebody in that room. Yeah. But to remember that you can't take anything for granted, A, and that it's about being a professional more than it is, yeah. you know, being friends with somebody. I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. So let's go into yeah. a little bit of Aladdin. Okay. I know that when you were 11 years old, you wanted to play the genie. 
And when you got the chance, you jumped at it. You're making me sound a lot younger than I am. And I thank you. I thank you, Dan, for that so much. Uh, it was 17 when I saw Aladdin. <laughs> 17. 17. 17. Uh, I'm actually in my mid-40s, which is scary to say. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so, yes, um, I saw Aladdin when I was 17 and it blew my mind. It was everything. Uh, it was everything I loved uh, all together. It was musical theater. It was Disney. It was Robin Williams' stand-up comedy all together mm -hmm. in one thing. And it was yeah. also, it was an action comedy. It's all in one thing. So I just like lost it. And I kind of lived in that world for many, many years, never thinking that I would get the chance to be a part of it. And uh, when the shot came up, I just, I, when you say throw yourself into something, I threw myself into something. And yeah. it was one of those moments where I was like, I told my wife, I said, I'm either, they're either going to love me or they're going to hate me. There is no, there was going to be no in between. Because I went in there and broke all kinds of rules. I was writing my own scripts. I was writing my own lines. And I was cartwheeling during the audition. I did every, everything you see me do on stage on Broadway, I did in the audition. <laughs> so they knew, what they, were, they knew what they were getting. Of course. You walked in and gave them, like, gave them opening night performance in the audition. They were, like, they were like, oh, this fool, he's crazy? Okay, yeah, let's get him. He'll do that here on concrete. He'll be great on a regular stage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, and this was yeah. pre-development, right? This was uh, they were st they were about to go to Seattle. Yes, to join? yeah, they had done yeah. one reading. They had done one reading. It makes I think they did two. They did two readings of the show, and they were ready to like, okay, let's take this and let's. Um, Howard Ashman always wanted um, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken always wanted um, someone of color to play an African-American yeah. pretty much to play the genie, um, yeah. because the genie most of the genies are portrayed uh, at the time as slaves. So mm. that's a thing that most people mm. don't know. Uh, if you watch the old uh, Thief of Baghdad, it's a black guy playing it. Um, I can't think of his mm. name. It's Rex something, not Rex Harrison, but Rex something. Uh, he's a great uh, African-American actor at that time. And um, he played that role. And so that was in Howard's mind when he created the genie. That's why if you listen to the music in Aladdin, genie's music is very different from everybody else's. It's very big band, very cotton clubby, because that mm -hmm. that's, that's what they wanted. And right. so Fats Waller, right? When, Cap uh, Calloway. Yeah. yeah, so when right. I, Fats Waller. So right. when I came into yeah. it, um, that's what they were looking for. And I just happened to be the right guy at the right time. That's amazing. That's that's so that's so cool. And I also, I mean, just briefly, that I, you have my favorite Tony Award winning speech of all time. <laughs> it's so iconic. It was so iconic. Then and, and just seeing someone like, the joy just emanating from you know what I mean. I was like, yeah. this guy, this man loves the theater. You know, I, I I do, but also there's a moment where when I you know I grew up in church and um there right. was a moment where uh there you there's a happiness there's a joy that there are no words for, and uh, yeah. you have to praise in a certain way. And you can't praise with words. You can't praise with a song. And it's just your body. Just you dance. You dance it yeah. out. And I. That's what happened to me. I gave a praise shout, and I, just, I was because I was so sh happy and shocked to be there. Um, yeah. Because I'd watched the Tony since I was like sixteen. I remember yeah. being. I was in that show at American Musical Theater, and we it was uh, called Three Musketeers, and the one of the stars in it, two of the stars were um, Sutton Foster and Christian Burl, and Whoa. they're in the show, right? And right after the show, right after they leave, we end the show. The next like, next couple months. Sutton's gone. Sutton's in, and she wins for I think uh, Millie. She wins for Millie. So she left our show and went to Millie. 
<laughs> so I just got to work wow. with her. Like I was literally second sword carrier from the left. No joke. Uh, if anybody knows Harlem Globetrotters, I was one of the Washington generals of, of, thir- of three musketeers. She, right. I got beat up every <laughs> night and I got beat up by Sutton every night. Like every night Sutton would beat me up. Sutton, like, cause I was the biggest guy. They always, <laughs> the three musketeers beat up their guys and they let Sutton beat me up. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> there right. I am sitting watching Sutton win a Tony. And then here we are, wow. you know, like a decade or so later, I get to be in that same spot. And it's also the spot of one of my heroes, Mr. Ted Ross, who won the, that, that same Tony for The Wiz. And Chuck yep. Cooper won that same Tony for The Life. And so to be in the group, to be in that group with those amazing performers, it was everything. It was like my whole childhood and everything bubbled up in that moment. And I just gave praise to God and said, thank you. This was nuts. And uh, I, it's still one of the best moments ever. And I know that this is supposed to be the most dignified, um, you know, award show of the season, but I have to do this. This is a praise shout. Hey! <laughs> we'll be back with more James Igohart right after the break. So you're in, you did Aladdin for three years, you did Hamilton for three years, you were in Memphis for a long time, you're in two Broadway shows at the same time, plus a sort of off-Broadway show yeah. in the park with Hercules. Yeah. What's the, what's the trick? What's, how do you maintain that, that longevity that requires that, yeah. that kind of stamina? And the long-running show in particular, I'm always fascinated how, how you know, I've, uh, Dan and I have done a show for a year, that's the longest we've ever done, so, you know, uh, what's you the seat? What's the secret? So uh, I was in Frozen for a year and Cinderella for a year, and Dan just did Waitress for about a year and a half or so. You guys did good yeah, 15 months. Good job, time. y'all. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> well, I think I think the main thing is to one, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. That's that's pointless. I mean, I get it. If you have to pay rent, then save up your money until you can leave and go do something you don't want to do, but you have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, there's no point in being a part of it. That's just, you're just wasting people's time and you're just bothering yourself. The other thing is, you know, take care of your body. I know this sounds kind of cliche, but we as performers, our body is our instrument. Our body is what we sell. You know, that's, this is the product. This is the product of who we are. So take care of yourself. You know, make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Make sure you're warming up. Make sure you're stretching. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure, I mean, I love our friends, but, you know, theater people, we love to stay out all night and like, you know, you know, shoot <laughs> yeah. the crap and like talk and, you know, hold court. And you know me, you could tell like from this show, I could talk a lot. Yeah, I love the hold court. But <laughs> if I got a, if I got two shows tomorrow, I'm like, hold court. Peace, y'all. Thanks. All right. You know, yeah. I'll go have a soda maybe for like 15 minutes and I'm out. You know, they're like, James, you never hang out. Like, I got a job. I can't hang out. <laughs> People who hang out right. don't have jobs. People who have people who have jobs don't hang out. We we get <laughs> yeah. like hang out once a month. We show up at certain parties and then we go home because we have stuff to do. Because <laughs> they pay us yeah. to do this. So yes. it's really yes. you know I think it's it's not as hard as people think. It really is about taking care of you and yeah. you know knowing what you're worth and knowing that you have to sacrifice. You you can't kick it. You can't kick it. if you're if you're single. You can't kick it. I mean, she's fine. Yeah. That's great. But she needs to understand it. Show the date needs to end at midnight. <laughs> yeah. You know, or whoever you're dating. And if you're married, you definitely need to go home because your significant is waiting for you. And yeah. unless you take them out with you, you need to take you behind home. So yes. You can be ready for the next day. So I think it's about really just about taking care of yourself. You have to love what you do and yep. take care of you. Because you, no one, the funny thing is no one else is going to. Yeah. I love this business and I love musical theater just as you guys do. But you also know the, the people we work with. Not that it's yeah. bad, but they'll watch you burn. Watch you burn yeah. and tweet about it. 
Watch you burn. Watch you burn. Tell you. Tell you. No, go ahead. Keep drinking. Then get up the next morning. Go. You know what they was doing last night? They was with me. I'm fine. They messed up. You know. You're like. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like in this business, you have three billion associates. Mm -hmm. Have a few acquaintances, and you have very few friends. And Mm -hmm. when you're out with those associates, you go home. Take care of yourself. Right. Take it with your acquaintances, love your friends, and go home and take care of yourself. That's yeah. That's what I say. That's great. One of my favorite um, art, uh, sort of artistic, you know, self help books is this book called um, uh, "Steal Like an Artist," and it's just you know, it's it, what it sounds like. You know, the way that we make art is to like be inspired. And he has the he has these ten or twelve tent posts, and one of them is "Be Boring." It's the only way you'll get something done. The only way you yeah. get anything done is if you're boring. You mm-hmm. know. And like Broadway is very flashy and, you know, we're all, you know, you know, you're spinning around there and doing splits like the genie. But the reason you could do the splits like the genie is because you go home. Yeah. <laughs> because I, you're I, boring. I, mm-hmm. People need to understand that, like, I think what, what fans don't get is they're, they're like, oh, my God, you know, what's it like to be in Hamilton? Are you hanging out with Lynn every night? I'm like, no, Lynn has two kids <laughs> and a wife. Lynn is the most not hanging out person in the entire world. Lynn is literally writing every day. So he's like after the show, if he's not at home. <laughs> He's writing. He's working back at home. And same thing with the rest of the brothers and, and sisters in Freestyle of Supreme and Aladdin and Hamilton. They are at home taking care of themselves or they're in class making themselves better or they're at the gym p- keeping themselves in shape. You know, they, it's pretty much a 24 hour gig of what you do. And then then to be able to realize that the, pro- the production you're in is your job, not your life. Right. We love musical theater. But we are, you know, we are Joe, Dan, and James. That's who we are. We are not the characters in Frozen. We are not the characters in Waitress, not the characters in Hamilton. We're ourselves. So distance yourself enough to go, this is a job. And don't take it so seriously that you go, oh, my God, if I'm not in Hamilton, I am nothing. And, oh, my God, the rest (laughs) of the world is better than me. You're like, nah, nah, this is my gig. This is what pays the rent. And when something better comes along, I'm going to jump on that because that's going to pay the rent and buy me a car. You know, you just keep building. (laughs) But you find a place for you to be able to relax and find your happy place. My happy place is watching professional wrestling cartoons and reading comic books. That's my happy place. Where's your happy place? Find your happy place so that when you get to work, if work is your happy place, that's good, but that's also bad because what happens mm. if the job doesn't do what you want it to do? Then where's your happy place? Right. You got to right. find a place that's not where you work so you can breathe right. and also go back and appreciate how great this all is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is, that's it. That's, that's, that's perfect. Write it down. We're putting it at, you know, put it in the, <laughs> put it in, put it in the college fund. Um, <laughs> well, we'd love, we'd love to do a deep dive into one of your projects, whatever sure. you, you know, something that, you know, I mean, your career has been so amazing is there a, a, a development process or something that, or even, even, you know, it could be Hamilton. I know that, that you, you came into that after um, it had already been running for a little while, but like, is there something that, that, that you, you know, when we ask that question, anything that sparks in your mind? There, there are quite a few that come that come to mind, you know, when it comes to like how it started and where it ended. Um, there's a short gig that comes to mind and there's a long gig that comes to mind. The, the short gig was I got asked, I was in the middle of, I was right about to join Spelling Bee on Broadway. And I had been asked by the Oakland Symphony to do Porgy in Porgy and Bess for a, literally a two night concert, two night concert. And this is all about preparation. And this is all about figuring out what's going on and not being naive. 
I was naive. I was used to musical theater. I was used to um, showing up, not reading okay. You know, I kind of skimmed me. I'm not a big reader, you know, and then plunking out the music for me on a tape recorder, me taking it, going back home, listening to it and singing it. And then be like, oh, look, he's mm-hmm. amazing. I got to the theater, the Paramount Theater in Oakland, and the orchestra was there. I had never done opera before. I didn't realize that opera people already know the music when they walk in the door. I'm used to musical theater where they plunk it out for you. So I get there. Porgy and Bess. I'm playing Porgy. I don't read. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So the lady, on I'm, they start playing the music, and I don't know it. And there's the conductor, and there's literally 50 people mm-hmm. in the orchestra, and there are 50 people in the choir all ready to go. And the best is looking at me like I've ruined her career. The old man behind <laughs> me who's playing one of the guys at Catfish Row, he played Porgy in his younger days. He's singing for me. Crown looks at me like, oh, my God, who's this broad? So they're looking at me like this Broadway guy who has no idea what he's doing. He is out of his element. Why is he here? And the keyboard player just happens to be... My college piano teacher who kept telling me, James, you're not counting again. And I (laughs) literally run off into a vomitorium and like. This is a nightmare. This This is the actor's nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, this 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 is the actor's nightmare. So I get home. I am in tears. And my wife looks at me. She goes, "Okay, I get it. It was a terrible night. What are you going to do? I'm like, I can't do anything. The world's ending. She's like, no, no, no. What are you going to do? Because it's Monday. And the concert is. Friday, what are you going to do? Tuesday, I mean, Tuesday morning, I called up the assistant conductor. I said, I need to come to your house. We play through the entire Porgy and Bess every day. I mean, that day. I get to rehearsal. I'm still awful, but I'm not as bad as I was on Monday. Wednesday, we do the same thing. And I, this, this, is, how, this is how long ago it was. Like I said, it's like 2007. Mm-hmm. I had a, a PSP, which is a portable yeah. play- so I put the Porgy and Best soundtrack on there and I would listen to it when I was asleep. Listen to it when I was asleep. So just be playing in my head, playing in my head. Every time I got in the car, just playing it. We get to Thursday. I sing. I'm much, much better, right? And they're looking at me like, oh my God, he's, he's getting better. This, this is weird. How, how are they doing it? The show, is, the show is Saturday night, right? Friday night. We have a rehearsal in the afternoon and then we have the preview night just for people to come. By Friday night, I had the whole thing done and I knew what I was doing. And then I sang it and they were like, and then all of a sudden our conductor goes, ladies and gentlemen, let's just give it to James Agarhart for learning Porgy and Bess in a week. And they all clap, 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 clap. And the whole time now, still, the opera people are treating me like a pariah. Mm. They are being completely mean to me, not talking to me, not to whatever. We get to Saturday night. Now, now I've had time to do my thing, to do what we as Broadway performers can do. When we get into it and we learn something, we become the character. So all of a sudden, I start singing. And, you know, opera is very, very, you know, uh, very, you know, a lot of vibrato. So I start singing and doing the one thing a lot of opera people, I'm going to get in trouble for this, don't do, act. I start acting. I start acting. <laughs> the, the, night, the opening night, in the, uh, right before we go on, about 30 minutes in, some of the cast members come to me and they go, hey, I mean, you learn that so fast. Uh, who's your vocal teacher? And I was like, I don't, I don't have one. They're like, what? I, I don't have one. I worked with a conductor. So I'm in my own world trying to do my thing. Well, you know, so you're going to Broadway. And I was like, hey, hey, listen, last time I checked, you guys were like, um, not really to Broadway. So I have to get ready for my show. So just let you know, that's, that's what's happening. Don't get me wrong. No hard feelings. We're going to do great tonight. I'll see you out there. We get out there opening night. Yeah, I, I do shade. We got, we got out yeah. there. And who messes up? 
Not me. Crown. The guy who played Crown, who was dissing me, we were like, mm. oh, well, you know, I heard New York people. He messed up twice, and I'm holding out notes for days, you know, just doing my thing. <laughs> but what I learned from that moment was when you are at a place where you think you can't get out, oh, my God, it's the worst day ever. It's not. Right. Mm. The question you have to ask yourself is, what are you going to do? What mm-hmm. are you going to do? Are you going to let the adversity smash you and keep you down and make sure you can't do anything? Or are you going to get up and do something? Do the best you can, whatever that best is. I happen to get lucky. It's honest to God, I happen to get lucky. I have a pretty good ear and we worked it. It worked, it did well. And, you know, that's what happened. The second one is Aladdin. Aladdin was a long process. Aladdin was a process of we didn't know if we were going to go to Broadway. We were hoping. Right. Mm. Disney kept saying, well, you know, it may be a property, blah, blah, blah. And they always give you that spiel, you know, you know just in case it doesn't go. So we, yeah. <laughs> we went through so many changes. I mean, we went through, our, our show in Seattle was okay. It wasn't great. Our show in uh, Toronto, I thought people were going to throw stuff at us. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nothing worked. I mean, like we had a great show. We had a great show, yeah. but our set was like trying to kill us. And there were new pages every day. We didn't have a good intro. They were like trying to redo the intro of different things. What was happening? We had new characters. Nobody knew. The audience didn't know what was going on. And we were like, yep. ah, it's over. Aladdin's the thing that's going to destroy everything. But we all yeah. came together and we're like, okay, how do we do this? And I, you know, we all went to our, our strengths yeah. One of the one of the most amazing leading men out there is you know Adam Jacobs. So Adam Jacobs, he was solid. He knew what he had. he knew what Aladdin had to be. Um, Courtney Reed found a new attitude for Jasmine to bring her back to bring her into the two thousands, so that the young ladies that see her would see a reflection of themselves. And I was like, what, what can I do that would make, the, what do I think is funny and be brave enough to do that? And it was a process. Like every new joke, they would like, Disney would come to them and go, yeah, you can't say that. Oh, you can say that. You can say that. You, can, you know, it was, it was, it was about mm-hmm. building every single day about building. And that's kind of what it was with Porgy and Bess. It's every single day getting better and better until that moment where you go, okay, we got something. And those are the two. When did you know are- that with Aladdin? Did you, did you feel like you had, when you had something? Yes, I remember. I had no. I had a. I knew I had a little something in Seattle. There was a moment I did something, and the audience all went. And I was like, "That's the attitude. That's where mm. Genie has to be. Genie has mm. to be there. He's got to be fast. He can't be too fast because this, unlike Robin Williams, where they could edit it or his live concerts, this right. is musical theater. You can have a bunch of you. Know, you have a wide range of ages, so they all have to understand you. And there's people in the mm. back row and in the front, so you have to know what you're saying and make it clear. And then there was a moment. What where did he say? Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> but there was a mo- there's a moment where you have to go. What is Genie's kernel? What is it that he really, really wants? But surround that kernel with all of the cool stuff, his attitude, his so- showmanship, and the fact that he is he just loves to perform, but he really just wants a friend and to be free. He really wants to be free and wants someone to be loyal to him. Finally. Mm. Who's going to, who's going to be that person? Who's going to have that heart to set me free? And then I can show, I can show you everything, but I still need that. That's, that's my, I want song that you never get to see in the show. Yeah. Right. Right. Once I realized that I knew I had it and the attitude I knew, I was like, if I can surprise the audience, if, so I asked for little places where I could improv, where I could surprise them. So they knew, they knew they were watching something scripted, but if it's kind of like free stuff supreme, if they see something that's actually happening now, they go, (gasps) We're in the moment. It's happening now. And it would always be different. 
So whenever you saw Aladdin, someone would come and go, oh, he did this that night. Oh, he did this that night. When, once I figured out mm. that, I was like, okay, there we go. That's, that's what's going to make this thing hype. And also I told myself, what would I want to see? If I, yeah. saw, if I paid a ticket to see Genie, what would I want to see? So everything mm. I did is crap I would want to see somebody else do, which is why the brothers were really, really pissed at me when I would see them on the street. I would see brown, bald brothers going, why are you cartwheeling? <laughs> why, why, why are you doing this? Why? Why, why are you? Is it? Is it an A? Why are you hitting that? What? What is wrong with you? Why do you hate us? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we had to audition, and they want us to do your stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. My bad. That's so amazing. <laughs> I think it's uh, to tie it I all together, that. though. It's all like it, it's all related, you know, yeah. because th- you'll never that the idea of building and taking care of yourself and looking forward and doing the things to get you to where you want to go. You'll never be in the situation again where you were in Porgy and Bess, where you're not prepared for that moment. Yes, and you're recognizing recognizing yeah. that like it takes a long time for you to to get to where you need to be so for me it, it was recognizing at a certain point that if i wanted to play a certain role in a show at a regional theater start working on it now yes. there's nothing wrong with that no, you nothing, see a show nothing. on broadway you're like i want to play that well you probably could audition for it in five years so get to work mm-hmm. this is a nine to five that's not a nine to five yes you this can is a nine put that to- amount of work into this job <laughs> Dan, that is so right. It's a nine to five. That's not a nine to five. We as actors have a different, most people have a nine to five. We have to get up and self-motivate ourselves to do this and say, okay, what do I have to do to be ready for the next thing? What do I want to do? But also keep yourself open for things that come out of the freaking blue. Mm -hmm. Like I've hosted, but never hosted before. So here I am musical theater. People say, Hey, you want to be on an HGTV show? And I was like, but I've done enough stupid things Talking like, ladies and gentlemen, I want to, all that crap that I was like, yeah, I can, I can pull that off. I can pull it because, you know, you've, pre- you've prepared yourself in weird ways, you know, keep mm. yourself open because you never know what's going to come down the pike. For sure. I love that. I love it. I love it. Um, we, we always ask, is there a, a book or a resource or something that you find invaluable? Um, is there anything that you, you know, you find in your career? It, could be, it also could be like an album or a movie or something that just inspires you in that way. Wow. Um, you know, I book resource class person. Any well, the funny thing you, yeah. say, you say book, and I was like, eh, the books I read, people are like, really? That's you know, <laughs> I'm a nerd. So I'm like, I'm like, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Harry Potter, Stone. No, like, but this. like that, <laughs> I love that because too. like there, we, my wife and I just rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first yeah. time in like a long time. The storytelling and the imagination <laughs> and that stuff is just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. So like I, that can absolutely inspire let's say, I, I have I have all these resources. I think the things that, that inspire me are uh, like the things like, you know, the Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter or the, the especially the Batman series. The Batman series yeah. is like because nobody expected it to work. Those are insp- inspiring to me because I like to go behind the scenes and hear what happened to the, to the projects. Uh, folks, yeah. you know, not thinking it's going to work, but how much research they went into creating it. So yeah. those are the things for me. But when I think of, you know, certain movies, I think of, I think of movies like Blazing Saddles from 1974. Yes. Film. That's one of my favorites. And it's very inspiring to me. It's very inspiring to me because it's so free and they diss everyone equally. Everybody. Everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. When they're matter sitting around what, the campfire farting, yes, it's it just one of right. the greatest scenes in movie history. It doesn't matter <laughs> what, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter yeah. what your sexual preference. They destroy everyone and for some reason that's uplifting to me when you can have <laughs> when you can just have a platform where you just everybody is dissed together yes <laughs> it's just something fun about that because everybody can laugh i can laugh at you you can laugh at me we, everybody's being dissed together but it's just the comedy of it so i i look at that because that's my type of comedy i love 
just doing weird, terrible, awful, but funny, not offensive, but, t- you know, stupid mm-hmm. stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Because everybody's so uptight. So yeah. that's inspiring yeah. to me. When you can find something that makes you not uptight, that's, that does it for me. And, I, you know, yeah, I'm not, what, yeah. I also love the, you know, the... The story of the kid who's who wants to be a hero doesn't know he's a hero. I'm very into that. It's a very Disney, very Star Warsy type of thing. That those are the kinds sure. of things. For sure, the underdog story. Yeah, the underdog for sure. story. Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's yeah. your favorite musical? What's the most influential musical in your life? There are two. Um, they are Dreamgirls and Sweeney Todd. I gotta tell <sighs> you, the first time I read Dreamgirls, I was like. This show is the show we should all point to when we look at all of these contemporary rock shows that work. Like, I don't think that there's Rent without Dreamgirls. That show no. is so good. Yes. Also, that's one of the first shows. It's not one of the first shows, but it is one of the, it's, it's because it's mostly sung. People forget that it's mostly sung. Yeah. People forget right. that those scenes are sung and they go, oh, right. I forgot that they sing through all this for two hours. And that's a show you have to, when you do it, you have to go home. You cannot yeah. kick it. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you won't be ready the next day, but that one and Sweeney Todd, and I think Sweeney Todd because one, it is all sung, and yeah. mostly sung, I should say, and also it was something different. Yeah, Sweeney Todd is its own thing. Have you done it? Yes, I played Sweeney. It was so much yeah. fun. I got to play the Bay oh, Area. I would love to hear. I that. immersed yeah. my. I I went to a barber. I went to a classical barber shop, and asked the guy to teach me how to you know do the barbering with do the, the shaves with the razor. Oh, cool. And it's it was just. Just the way he talked about the fact that we scrape, you know, we we go for people who don't know when you have a shaver, you go, you know, da- you know, up to down. No, he would like have to like curve up. You would follow the curve of your face, and just sort of everything would be clean. Just, just those little things that would, for someone like Sweeney, when you realize that he's a serial killer, something as simple as that, that that would that would appease him. I have to do it right before I mm. kill you. I have to do it. Right. The plan. It's all about the plan with he, with him and Mrs. Lovett. And I love that. Oh, and also the music is just so good. So good. I made, so I good. used to live in the Bay Area and there's nothing like driving on the street listening to Sweeney Todd. You'll be going at 70 miles an hour and not realize it. You're like, Sweeney, oh God, I'm going too fast. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love a dark musical too. Cause Me too. I, I, I think that there's so much value to what you said about Blazing Saddles where things lift you up. But I don't think that this genre has to live in a place where everything is about the entertainment. I yes. think that this yeah. this genre has the ability to have so much depth because of what music does to a yes. lyric. And Sweeney does that. And you're just like, see, musicals aren't corny. This is right. this is real stuff. This is and also there's that moment where you realize if you can grab the audience, I feel the same way about Cole House. Yeah, I was gonna say ragtime too, right. but I feel that right. if you can grab the audience by by your hero doing the wrong thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And watching the people root for your hero doing the wrong thing, it is such, it is such a get because they're clapping and it takes them a re- minute to realize, oh my God, I'm cheering for you. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's one of my, that's, that's absolutely one of my, one of my favorite musicals too. And, uh, my wife did it at, uh, Barrow street, uh, oh, yeah. downtown, that, that immersive production, um, with Mr. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, she Lewis. was she was Joanna. Jo- oh my yeah, god, she yeah, was yeah, amazing. Joanna. Yeah, ask um, her about the night. Ask her if she remembers the night I was there because Norm got me tickets, and Norm and I have a insult to insult relationship. So <laughs> he decided that I was the guy he was going to mess with, but he only did it because he took forever to see Aladdin. And usually, when I give I, when I see stars out there, I give them shout outs. 
to Norm, yeah. I kind of gave a shade out. <laughs> I was like, Norm Lewis, you know you love this. And he was like, how dare you? <laughs> so I oh kept my God. jabbing at him as Genie, jabbing him. Talking about, I know Norm likes it because he he, he's a big fan of mine. So he got backstage. He was like, <laughs> he was like I'm going to find a show and I'm going to get you. So when I got to the theater and it was so tiny, oh, my God, he sat next to me and spit in my face on purpose. And I just sat there. You know, there's that moment where you come like, <laughs> you, you just, just take, take it. it. You're like, I deserve this. I deserve all of this. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> Oh That's my amazing. God. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. Like I, I want to see, I want to see your Sweeney. That is, I, I want to hear it. Ball. I want to see oh, it. Gosh. Yeah, for sure. We, we would love to know, I, I call it, I call this the unreachable star question, which is like, you know, uh, what, what's on the horizon for you that you're sort of pointed towards in a way that you'd, you'd love to accomplish. You know, you've done so much now. Um, is there anything that you're like that I'm pointed towards that? Yes. Uh, there's a few things. One, I would love to direct. Um, I mm. got to, I yeah. got the privilege of directing and producing Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas for uh, this Halloween. It was all virtual and I had a ball doing that, putting it together, mm. putting the cast together, uh, you know, directing them. It was, you know, and I had a great cast. I had Adrian Warren, Raphael Cassell, Rob McClure, mm. Leslie Margarita, Nick Walker. I mean, I had some wow. folks. <laughs> Yeah, in this cast, yeah. you know, you know, I had some great people, so I had a great time doing that. Um, but I think directing would be fun. I love writing. I love to write another comic book. I got to write a comic book for. I got to write two comic books for Marvel Comics, which is great. Uh, wow! But wow, I've had this dream um, since the first time I saw Richard Pryor on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, something about, and also my heroes are Richard Pryor, Whoopi Goldberg, John Leguizamo, Billy Crystal. Um, Mr. Bean, I know that sounds crazy, but you, you no, see where I'm genius. going. There's, there's, yeah. there's yeah. solo artists who get on stage and they tell a story. And that's what I would really love to do. I'd love to have mm. a chance to do a solo show and just tell either a story about my childhood because it was really fun and silly. And I think making people laugh is <clears throat> something that not that we've not that we've got away from on Broadway. But I think we've gotten so into like telling what what Dan was saying about like telling real mm -hmm. stories. We got so into being real because we don't want people to diss musicals anymore. And yeah. we forget that sometimes <laughs> you just want to go to the theater and laugh. You just want to have yeah. a good time because we're like, no, musicals are not corny. We have a boy here who has a broken arm, who is lying about a dead kid, and he lies to the parents because that's what musical theater is. We're going to tell a story about American history with black people and brown people so white people know. It's like, hey, but relax. What, what happened to Annie? What happened to... What, ha what happened to Annie Get You? What happened to the whiz? You know, what happened to the... Right. misbehavior? What happened to the, you know, the happiness? What, 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 we, nobody wants to be happy on Broadway. We just want to be upset and walk out and go to get a drink and talk about how great the show was. Don't get me wrong. I love all those shows. There's a place for all that. Oh, but I think it'd be fun to just tell a story that was just funny. You know, usually when you're right, solo yeah. show, it's, it usually ends up being like a therapy session. Like somebody comes out there and like tells their life and it's horrible. But at the yes. end, they're like, but I'm better now. Blackout. No, I just yeah. really want to go out there and like tell a stupid story that is funny. And people walk out going, I, I knew that kid or I was that kid or I had right. that kid in class. I know that, you know. Yes, I remember. Yeah. He, yes, I remember G.I. Joe. I want to do a show like that. So I and what's funny is I've been working on that show for years. Someday it'll happen. Good. And when Good. it does, it'll be, it'll be fun. And, you know, people will leave smiling. At least my prayers will leave smiling and laughing. But directing and developing and being on the other side of the table is what I'd like to do. But also yeah. if I'm going to be on the other side, of the if I'm going to be on the stage again, you know, do something fun. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. I look, I look forward to that. If I had any money, if I was a producer in any way, I'd be, I'd be knocking on the doors like, James Iglehart wants to do a solo show. <laughs> 
We're producing. We'll it, give it, it to it'll, you. it'll happen. Right. Like, first Sponsored of all, by get, guys who like musicals. <laughs> let's just get shows up first. Then we'll do that. That's exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, thank you for bringing all of that joy and laughter oh to gosh. us today, to our show today. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you being here and taking the time. Um, I think we were pretty cool, Dan. We kept it together for the most part, but we tried we d- our best. <laughs> the fun thing is what you guys are going to realize is Joe and Dan, what you guys don't dance is something about people, people in front of you, people behind you. Joe, you said you were in Frozen. That was a yeah. great show. And Dan, you in Waitress. That was a great show. What you guys don't know or don't realize is there are guys who are looking up to you guys and you don't see it yet. And it's going to happen. It's going to hit you when you least expect it. And we're like, first show I saw was Frozen. I saw you. And I saw you in Waitress. And you're going to be like, you did? What? What? Who? <laughs> Why? And swear to God, it's going to be awesome. And you just pay it forward, man. Just pay it forward. I have no yeah. idea why you were the genie. I don't understand why you you played the genie and won a Tony Award for it. That was, well, I'm not crying. You're crying. Dan, you want to end our show? Thank you, James. Everybody go check out uh, Biggest Little Christmas Showdown on Fridays on HGTV. As of us filming this, there are two episodes remaining, but I'm sure that by the time you hear this, you can go see all of them. James, where can people reach you? They can see me uh, on Instagram at James. M. Iglehart, I-G-L-E-H-A-R-T. And they can also go to Twitter at J.M. Iglehart and see all the dumb stuff I say. Love that. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you so, so much. Please, my pleasure. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Woo! We are hosted by Dan Tracy. That's you. And Joe Carroll. That's me. We're produced by Ryan Kincaid, and Matthew Mucha is the social content manager. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals, on Twitter at Musical Guys, or the old-fashioned way at www.guyswholikemusicals.com. If you'd like a chance to be featured on the Ask the Guys segment of our show, please call 203-900-7990 and leave a message with your question. As always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.